Welcome to another edition of the Draw Pass podcast, buddy. How are you doing? Glad to have you on board. I really appreciate you being here. We are back in action after a bye week and I have to apologize for not uploading last week, but this week the prospect run-through will continue as we take a closer look at the top North American Pro Leagues, aka the Coast, the AHL, and lastly the NHL. Last time I also happened to miss few names so those will be presented right at the beginning, but for the most part we will focus on NHL-affiliated prospects from those previously mentioned Pro Leagues. And since we only have three leagues to go through, we will spend a tad bit more time with the top names, but still, efficiency is going to be the key in this week's episode yet again, so weekly update is going to start this week's show. So sit back, relax, and let's officially kick off the episode as we usually do. Without further ado, let's get going. Okay, okay, so actually let's start from the scoring table since few guys have been popping off lately and really deserve their moments on the headlines. Tage Thompson, Jason Robertson and Mitch Marner have just toyed with the league in recent weeks and just few nights ago for example Marner broke the Leafs all-time point streak record by extending it to 22 games which is an outstanding accomplishment. On its own. He broke the record held by Eddie Olchek and Daryl Sidler of 19 games and thus far has rocked up 33 points in total in 28 games and with the way he and Matthews have regained momentum from the rocky start we can expect to see those guys climbing the scoring table in the latter part of the regular season and close down the 1.5 point per game average once the spring season rolls around. But honestly this is what should be expected from these guys at this point. Dallas's Jason Robertson is currently cruising with a point per game average and has really surprised me and many others with the way he's been scoring lately. Like last year already he showed that he's capable of putting up impressive numbers on the next level but at least I wasn't expecting to see his name in the top 3 in scoring in December I gotta admit that. He is currently second in league scoring behind McDavid with 23 tucks and is currently stalking the Edmonton duo with 41 points in 27 games. And if he keeps his pace up throughout the season, he will be one of the hard nominees at the end of the season. There's no denying that. And now that his centerman Ropa Hintz is also locked up for 8 years with 8.45 per season, their front office can start to figure out their future plans since they got their top names locked in for the foreseeable future and currently the biggest thing that is bothering them the most is the contract situation regarding their veterans Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan which still weigh on their cap space for several years and even though their outputs have increased this year over 9.5 per player is still way too much for their services but Currently their focus is in the postseason so let's not worry about those too much at this point. And if Robertson has been on a fire lately, same can be said about Buffalo's Chase Thompson who has been just straight up killer and just few nights ago matched the NHL record by scoring 4 goals in the first period against the Blue Jackets. Not a big deal. And eventually ended the night with 5 goals and 1 assist so keep the change as well. 
He has really blossomed this year and the confidence just oozes from his play and you can see that from the highlight reels because the guy has been there multiple nights in a row with his legs stick handless heels and a rocket of a shot. And like I mentioned previously, the Ryan O'Reilly trade is finally starting to pay dividends for the Sabres as well. And I need to start eating my words from the preseason where I questioned his long-term deal. So another L for my camp, I raised my hand as a gesture of a failure. But it has to be said that I've been extremely happy to see him succeeding because I thought that the Blues just couldn't get everything out of his engine during his stay there. And now that he's fully grown into his massive frame and has gained the confidence to use it with his great skill set, we get to witness what he's really capable of and how that deal might even become bargain in a few years for the Sabres. And like overall, the Sabres are really starting to show signs of promise on individual levels, where Darlene, for example, is starting to take his spot as the number one guy on their blue line. Jack Quinn, Dylan Cousins, and JJ Paterka are starting to fulfill their own potentials and put up numbers that we've been expecting to see while solidifying their spots in the top six. Meanwhile, guys like Owen Power and Peyton Krebs are riding the next wave of that same movement, and more seasoned guys like Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck support those guys with their efforts. So overall, I really like Buffalo's heading, even though they still have a massive challenge ahead of them considering their possible playoff berth. But the young guns are really starting to show real promise for the future and this team's heading is slowly starting to turn towards competitiveness. And they could even be in the playoff conversation this year if they can short out their blue paint and enforce their depth roles in the meantime. And when it comes to guys that haven't yet received the attention they probably should have include names Filip Ronek, Mihal Sergachev and Miro Heiskanen who have stood out on the blue line alongside the league's top names. And on the goalie front, Vitek Vanecek and Spencer Knight are names that have made their cases for Vesna conversation, so shout out to those two as well. Injuries have also kept piling up as the latest additions to the LTIR list include names Jakub Voracek, Jake Bean and Patrick Hörnqvist, while Nathan McKinnon, Chris Latang and Tyler Bertuzzi were also added to the injured reserve during the past two weeks. Bean suffered a shoulder injury, which most likely will require surgery and therefore he will be sidelined for 4-6 to six months depending on the operation. Hönkvist suffered another concussion and thus was placed on the LTIR, while his return is in question in regards to his timetable. And same goes with Voracek who suffered his concussion during their global series games in Finland. And just this week, he stated that he has no clue concerning the return and will take time off to ponder upon his future inside the rink due to the health concerns. And what was the most alarming news piece last week was the fact that Pittsburgh's defenseman Chris Letang suffered a stroke earlier that week and is not expected to play for the Pens in the coming weeks, possibly. It really struck me when I heard the news because these are really life-threatening situations. And the good thing is that he was treated swiftly after the incident, but the fact is that that kind of situation will stick with you. And I hope that he's able to overcome it, but I hope that he wouldn't risk his health for the sport, that's for sure. There's no doubt that the Pens currently need his services on the blue line, but his health will be on the forefront for the organization as well. I'm sure of that, and they will support his return onto the ice, no doubt. 
It was good to see him skating only about a week after the incident, so that brings some light to the whole situation. But knowing the fact that he has an inherent heart condition, this will without a doubt put some weight on his future plans. So I'll be waiting for his statements regarding that topic and hope that he's able to make a full recovery from this carry incident. But lastly, regarding injuries, I just have to point out the injury woes that the abs are currently struck by because the situation in Colorado is becoming more and more fragile concerning that front, especially now that McKinnon was announced to be sidelined for the next four weeks. And when we look at their current IR name list, we have guys like Landis Kug, Helm, Nichushkin, McDermott, Rodriguez, Manson, plus the day-to-day patients, Taves, Gerard, Byram, and Lehkonen. You just have to start thinking if these injuries will wreck their playoff hopes piece by piece. Because currently, they are fourth in the central, only three points ahead of the Blues, who have played three more games, but nevertheless. Plus, they have the same point total as the sixth team in the Pacific, the Canucks, so if this aspect doesn't improve in the second part of the regular season, could the defending Stanley Cup champions be out of the playoff race before the final six or eight games of the regular season? I'm just throwing that out there because currently they are a 500 team and just lost their number one center and are stretched thin with injuries. So how long are they able to evade the worst case scenario and are able to stay afloat in the extremely competitive central division where the difference between the first and the fifth team in the standings is just nine points? I myself still believe in their playoff berth, but if injuries keep piling up and they don't get any relief from their IR list sooner than later, they could be facing an extremely tough second part of the season and could have to fight to skin their teeth for the remaining spots in the postseason with teams such as Minnesota, Dallas, St. Louis, plus the teams in the Pacific, Calgary, Edmonton, LA, Vancouver, and even Seattle. We'll see what happens, but surely this has thrown another wrench to the mix and it is pretty ironic that I expected them to struggle out of the gates due to a cup hangover, but I wasn't expecting this kind of scenario. We're almost their entire top six and three out of their top six from the blue line would be missing, so hopefully they are able to battle through this rough patch and emerge to the top three once most of these guys have made their returns to their lineup. And the final few notes before we move on to Prospect Watch include headlines. Brock Besser's future in Vancouver, Alex Formenton's situation in Ottawa, Cal Peterson's AHL assignment and the legendary game between the Kings and the Kraken which show historically high scoring numbers. So let's get those out of the way as well. First, we gotta take a look at Brock Besser and his current situation in Vancouver since just this week it was announced that their front office had given him permission to start preliminary talks with other teams in the league before a possible trade, which clearly gives us and the league the sign that he won't stay in British Columbia for that much longer. The inside sources have told us that the Canucks are aware that they will get decreased price for his services, but still, they are open for business once both parties have found the best suitor. And to be honest, it hasn't been easy to watch his downfall from one of the brightest young talents on the roster to a middle six scorer whose play has really fluctuated due to multiple different factors. Most recently, the passing of his father 
was the biggest impactor to his game and multiple injuries added to that during previous seasons have also halted his journey on the next level. He was once considered as their next great goal scorer and honestly, he still is a great one but not the elite offensive unit that they expected him to become and therefore I'm really hoping that he gets a new start in his new environment. I wouldn't necessarily expect to see huge results wherever he eventually ends up but just a fresh breeze of air could do miracles for his game on the ice and although pretty much everyone has buried the expectations of him becoming a staple 30-40 to 40 goal scorer, I still see him making his offensive impact in the middle six for years to come, if he stays healthy of course. 16 points in the first 20 games is promising and will without a doubt intrigue some teams but the 6.65 million cap hit for the next 3 years will without a doubt scare some teams away that's for sure. But we'll see where he ends up and don't be surprised to see his name in the headlines in the coming weeks. Then when it comes to Alex Formenton and Ottawa, despite me saying that I wasn't expecting anyone out of this RFA class to sit out the entire 22-23 season, the fact is that Formenton will do exactly that if he doesn't end up signing a deal with an European team. He wasn't signed by the free agent deadline of December 1st and thus can't play any NHL games this year so the only option for him would be to sign within a European club if he aims to play any meaningful games this year. And to be honest, I don't know what the situation between the player and the team is since the Sens had the cap space to sign him before it was too late but didn't end up signing him and the current rumor tells us that they tried to trade him away before the deadline but no one came knocking so it's a pretty intriguing situation overall because I really thought that they would have worked out a deal with their upcoming speedy winger. Now though, his rights remain in Ottawa and seemingly they are working towards getting him to Europe for the rest of the season but even if his rights would get traded this winter or spring, he still wouldn't be eligible to play in the NHL so player-wise this is a pretty bad scenario overall but we'll see what the outcome eventually ends up being and it was a major surprise to me to say the least. And lastly, we have the joke of a game between the LA Kings and the Seattle Kraken, which unfolded earlier last week and pretty much the end score of 9-8 tells you all you need to know. No defense was played that day whatsoever. All netminders, straight up faucets, everything leaked in and under 0.770 save percentages proved that. Forwards, Straight up field day featuring Oprah. You get a point, you get a point, and you get a point. And the fans, entertainment through the roof. Complete gong show of a game with a beer league score. I mean, I think that even both coaches enjoyed that game because the entire game lost its plot after the first period and it at least proved that both teams could score not so good for the 10 metrics, but who even keeps track of those when the score is 8-6 after 40 minutes? Even I would have given up at that point. But what actually followed that game was LA's decision to send their netminder Cal Peterson to AHL because the guy hasn't been even able to stop his couch from moving in his department and surprisingly, hear the irony in my voice, 
Not one NHL team was willing to take his three times five deal to their books. Can you actually believe it? Well, this could be a very smart move from their front office since in three AHL games he has posted 0.941 save percentage and 1.70 goals against average, which are way higher than what his numbers were on the top level. But so far, the crease for the Kings has looked quite treacherous at times, so in order for them to battle for playoff spots, they need better goaltending, and that's a fact. But that pretty much covers the main headlines from the past few weeks, so we are now equipped to continue our prospect run-through from the North American Pro Leagues. But as I said, first, I will throw in few names that I ended up missing in the previous episode, but overall, a small change of pace is inbound, so prepare for that. The first honorable shout-out goes to Austrian defenseman David Reinbacher, who is currently impressing in the Swiss first year with Clotten as an 18-year-old demon with a stat line of 2 goals and 11 assists in 26 games, and is slowly making his way into the top demon conversation of the 2023 draft class, so shout-out to Hockey Analytics on Instagram. Also, Czech top prospect Edward Sale didn't earn any credits in the last episode, so his name will be included in this week's show, due to him snapping it around in the extra league for Cometa Bruno and rocking respectable stat line of 3 goals and 3 assists in 24 games. And if you are wondering, he should be amongst the top 15 when talking about the top talents of the upcoming draft class. Jesse Kiskinen's name has also appeared in the first round conversation due to his impressive 30-point total from 19 games in the U20 SM Sarja. And the last player that ended up slipping through my fingers last time ended up being Habs prospect Philip Messar, who headed to OHL before the season and so far has been impressive for the Kitchener Rangers by posting 20 points in 16 games. But like I said, intentionally I left lots of names off my list in the previous episode due to the pure amount of drafted prospects who are posting above average numbers in the juniors. And if we would have gone through them all, the episode would have lasted over 90 minutes, so I decided to cut down the names and focus on the more impressive players of the first part of the season. Reason for this is the fact that we will come back to this topic later on and hopefully... Some new names have appeared to the score sheet by then, so that's that. But now we head to North America, where the ECHL will be the first league on the board this week. And the top names, point-wise, from the Cheese Toast League so far have been Vegas's Patrick Gay, Calgary's Rory Kerins, Islanders pick Blake Jenkins, Toronto's Axel Rindell and Mikko Kokkonen, Buffalo's Matej Pekar, San Jose's Dylan Hamaliuk, and Vegas's goaltender Isaiah Savel. You can also add in Calgary's goaltending prospect Daniel Chechelev, but those are pretty much names that jump out straight away. Most guys have also played games in the AHL, but for the most part with very minimal results, so they will be mentioned in this segment instead. Vegas's fifth round selection Gay has been the most prolific of this bunch with 20 points in 16 games for the newest ECHL team Savannah Ghost Pirates. And I wouldn't be surprised if this guy made a living in the AHL in the future with the way he's been scoring everywhere he's been thus far. Calgary's free agent signing Rory Kerins has also continued where he left off last year with the Sioux 
by putting up 18 points in 16 games for the Rapid City and recently has also debuted for the Calgary Wranglers in the AHL and scored his first goal so he could be one of the undercover names that could slide into Calgary's NHL roster in the next upcoming years if his projection keeps its track. Also, Isles prospect Blake Jenkins is off to a solid start in the ECHL with 18 points in 14 games. Sharks offensive prospect Hamaliuk has registered solid 5 points in first 4 games. Meanwhile, Toronto's defensive duo of Rindell and Kokkonen has impressed in the early season on both ends of the ice and are rocking over half a point per game pace from the blue line. Vegas' goalie prospect Savell showed great signs already last year with the Henderson Silver Knights, but was assigned to ECHL to gain more playing time and so far, the 22-year-old netminder has kept his pace and is slowly increasing his numbers from his years in the NCAA. So, so far, pretty solid numbers from what I would say more underrated names of many prospect pools and more than anything, promising signs for their professional careers in North America. But then we head to American Hockey League where we come across a bunch of more familiar names that are going to appear in the bright lights as well in the next coming years. These include, for example, Alexander Holtz, Lucas Reichel, Cole Lind, Ian Mitchell, Kirill Marchenko, Jacob Pelletier, Connor Zari, Quinn Byfield, Jordan Spence, Ridley Gregg, Samuel Bolduc, and goaltenders Joel Hofer and Dustin Wolf in the forefront, but more names will be revealed in just few moments. Currently, Reichel is the leader in points amongst the top affiliated prospects, with 24 point total in 21 games and has also suited up for the Blackhawks due to his great performances in the AHL. It's pretty much just a matter of time once he makes his real mark on the NHL level since his skill set just screams top 6 upside and next year could be a really big one for him. Kiss Taves and Kane will be gone by then, so there's going to be a lot of playing time on offer for their top prospects. Blackhawks blue line prospect Ian Mitchell as well has been waiting for his chance to break into their top 6 on the blue line, and 6 points in 5 games should wake up their front office regarding a possible arrival to their NHL lineup. He's been a guy that I've been really intrigued by since he's been extremely efficient blue liner offensively all the way from his NCAA days to this date, but the defensive side of the puck has so far been the obstacle in between him and his NHL dream so. If Chicago keeps on dealing its players away this year in hopes of acquiring the best odds for the upcoming draft, he should see some ice time especially now that they've dealt away their other right-handed offensive blue line prospect Adam Boquist away, but we'll see what the manner of approach is going to be in regards to their front office because it has been somewhat unpredictable recently to say the least. Second in scoring currently is Calgary's Jacob Pelletier with 23 points in 21 games, who I expected to jump to the NHL ice after a very successful past season in the A, but seemingly the same trend continues where he puts up great offensive numbers in their farm system and he as well is pretty much already halfway in their NHL roster, so few injuries could do wonders for his future within the organization. Top 6 bound as well, no doubt. Zari has had a great bounce back year after a somewhat miserable past season, and in 21 games he's been able to put up 22 points, so 
It's great to see that his future NHL projection hasn't completely collapsed after all, and we may see him on the top level in the next coming years, if he keeps this pace up. And when it comes to Wolf, it goes without saying that he will be their number one netminder in few years, because he's been lights out in the AHL the past two seasons, and before that, posted almost record-breaking numbers in the WHL, so... Just like previously mentioned guys, it's only a matter of time when he takes the throne in Calgary from the hands of their current Swedish number one box topper. LA's last year's shooting star, Jordan Spence was assigned to Ontario for this year due to a traffic jam on their back end, but the pace hasn't slowed down one bit despite that move, and in 21 games he has been able to record 20 points to his name, so it goes without saying that if they end up making changes to their current blue line, he will be the name battling for the available minutes with Bjornfoot and Derzy. Columbus's Russian point machine, Kirill Marchenko, has had a pretty smooth transition to North American ice and already made his NHL debut this week with the Jackets. Before that though, he played 16 games for the Cleveland Monsters and put up impressive 19 points in 16 games, so like I mentioned in the season previews, you should be aware of this guy because if the transition to the NHL ice goes as smoothly as it has for the AHL, he will post pretty good numbers in the remaining games for the Jackets and become one of the more talked about rookies in the league, so just keep that in mind. After all, he has experience from the KHL, so it didn't surprise me that he was able to put the puck in the back of the net so easily straight from the get-go, but we'll see how well he's able to adjust to NHL pace and even if it might take some time for him to record his first points, he will be an entertaining youngster to look out for and will bring joy for the franchise in the long run without a doubt. New Jersey's Alex Holtz is another name that has been floating between the AHL and the NHL in the early season, but due to his good form, he spent majority of the season up top where he's been able to record two goals in nine games while his track record from the AHL shouldn't surprise you if you've been looking up his stats from the previous years. His breakout is fairly inevitable at this point since he's been flirting with the NHL for a couple of seasons now, and if he gets to showcase his skills in their top 6 this year alongside, for example, Jack Hughes, I could imagine him pushing his point totals up quite a bit before the season is over. Now though, the team is on a roll and there is no need to make major adjustments, but there's still lots of hockey to be played and injuries will start to shake up the team at some point, so patience is what is needed from him in order to succeed on the next level. And while speaking of patience, I once again have to give some towels for myself since seemingly LA's top prospect Quinton Byfield heard my words from the last episode since... After getting assigned to their farm system in 12 games, he has recorded 13 points and is again on his way to up top. So it has to be said that this guy knows how to keep people involved in his journey. Like his skill set is undeniable, but it has taken him a relatively long time to adjust to pro level, so I would still keep my expectations in check, but for now, the pace is looking extremely promising. And it's going to be interesting to see how his rest of the season goes, given the strong start in the AHL. So once again, keeping taps on this guy is a really wise decision. 
Seattle's Colin has found his groove in the newest AHL affiliation, Coachella Valley Firebirds, and in 19 games has recorded 19 points, so he could be looking at another NHL call-up in the near future. And I still firmly believe that the guy has a top 9 upside on the NHL level, so it's good to see him getting his points up in the jungle. Dallas's Matej Blumel has been one of the more surprising names of the early season since in 16 AHL games he has recorded point per game average and has seen some ice time in the NHL as well so the Stars could have another hard working bottom six option in their back pocket for years to come if his momentum keeps its track. Toronto's Semionder Argushinchev earns a shout out at this point as well since he made his NHL debut earlier this week and in 21 AHL games has almost reached the point per game pace with 20 dots to this date. Meanwhile St. Louis's Russian forward prospect Nikita Alexandrov has surprised many with his output and with that has earned minutes in the bright lights as well. Finns Valtteri Pustinen, Jesse Ylönen and Ville Heinola have also wreaked havoc in the AHL level and are almost on a point per game pace. Meanwhile Swedes Philip Hollander Ole Luxell and Fabian Lucell have impressed with their input so far in the early season. Luxell has been one of the more surprising names to many, but his last year's point total from the SHL forecasted strong opening season to his North American journey, so me and you shouldn't be that surprised about his success in the early year, because you stayed up to date with the top prospects last year. Am I right? Islanders blue liner Samuel Bolduc has also found his offensive gear in Bridgeport and currently rocks with 19 points from the first 22 games. So slowly, he's filling the expectations set for him on the draft table. And with his size, I could imagine a possible top 4 upside on the next level, if all goes to plan. His teammate Ruslan Ishakov has impressed alongside him with offense and 18 points in 21 games is really solid total for the Russian but his defensive game is still the biggest question mark attached to his NHL upside. Montreal's undersized point machine Xavier Simoneau has also started this season with strong numbers. Four goals and 18 assists creates promise for his future upside. Phyllis first round pick Tyson Forster has looked poised for the NHL ice just as I mentioned in the season previews and 17 point total in the first 21 games only bolsters that statement. Nashville's Luke Evangelista has been as good as expected and the guy is firmly making a case for himself regarding possible top 6 upside on the next level with this scoring. Swedes, Linus Weisbach and Linus Carlson have also had strong starts with 16 points to each offensive catalyst. Meanwhile San Jose's league center Thomas Bordello, Washington's Hendrix Lapierre and Carolina's Jamie Reese are answering the call offensively with same point totals as the Swedes before them. Calgary's Jeremy Poirier offensive skill set has also translated nicely to the AHL level and 16 points in 21 games from the blue line isn't too shabby. While the remaining shoutouts go to San Jose's top pick, Willem Eklund, 15 points in 23 games, Calgary's Coles went 14 dots in 19 games, Colorado's John Luke Foodie, 14 in 18, Buffalo's Yuri Kulich, 14 points in 22 games, and his line made Isaac Rosen with same point total. Ottawa's Robbie Arventia with 5 points in 8 games, plus the blue line prospect San Jose's Ryan Merkley 
14 assists in 21 games. Cam York, 13 points in 20 games. New Jersey's top pick Simon Nimitz with 10 points in 20 games. And lastly, Seattle's left-handed backskater Riker Evans with 11 dots from 17 games. But once again, there would have been a lot of other names as well who have impressed in the early season. But just so that I wouldn't bore you out with stats and names, I wanted to stick with the main ones that have been the big standouts and which should be looking towards NHL call-ups in the very near future. But we might dive more in-depth into each team's prospect pool on a later date, so then you should get more info on these guys if that is something you guys would like to see. So if you are in support of that, make sure to let me know because these kinds of episodes take time to make because of all the research I have to make and I don't want to waste my time and even less yours. So leave some feedback regarding that topic to my social media so that I can get sense of if that is something you would like to see in the future. But this time I'm going to make an exception and leave out the disappointing names from this episode since... The season is still very young and many guys have just started their pro careers and may only play under 10 minutes per game while getting used to higher tempo and level of competition, so I can't expect too much from those guys at this point. But goalie-wise, I already mentioned Wolf's name, so currently the leading horse from the AHL has been St. Louis's Joel Hofer, who has recently become one of my favorite puck-stopping prospects if you haven't noticed. And from the first 16 games, he has 0.923 save percentage and 2.42 goals against average. So if one of their netminders falls out of the lineup for one reason or another, they have a very hungry and capable guy in the pipeline stalking for his chance to make his mark. So hopefully he gets some playing time in the bright lights and we get to see his level against the best of the best. Nashville's next goalie phenom, Yaroslav Askarov, has adapted to North American ice really well. And from his first 16 starts, he has been able to grab home 0.918 save percentage and 2.42 goals against average. So the starting job in Nashville could be in question in year or two if the Russian box stopper keeps on elevating his game in their farm system. San Jose's Finnish netminder Edu McKinney has also been impressive between the pipes in the A and earned his first NHL dub just a few nights ago, so... He could be part of the next great Finnish wave of new age goaltenders. While his Finnish counterpart Justus Annunen has also had a solid start in Colorado with 0.915 save percentage and 2.57 goals against average. So things are looking pretty promising for the Finns on that front as well. Other notable names include Edmonton's Olivier Rodrigue with 0.918 save percentage and 2.87 goals against average. Philly Samuel Ersson with 0.916 save percentage and 2.60 goals against average. Anaheim's top goalie prospect Lucas Dostal with 0.916 save percentage and 2.88 goals against average. And lastly, Kings prospect Matt Villalta with 0.927 save percentage and 2.19 goals against average from the first seven games. And if you're wondering how the world's top goalie prospect Jesper Wallstead has succeeded, fear not. 0.900 save percentage and 3.12 goals against average are pretty decent for first-year goalie, but surely they could be improved, so we wait to see how much progress he's able to make throughout the year, and if Askarov is starting to take the throne on that front after all. And by the way, Wallstead scored a goal like a couple months back, so 
he at least has that over him. But for the most part, guys have had good starts to their season. Some rockier than others, but that is expected from young tendies. And I will remain on watch if drastic changes end up happening. And I'll be first to notify you on those, so do not worry. But that pretty much covers the AHL front. And I left out a few guys on purpose, like I said, because they've recently made their jumps to NHL ice and thus will be introduced on our next and last segment. So don't start screaming and kicking yet because we still have plenty of time remaining. So take a deep breath and let's make our way to the NHL ice where we've seen the usual suspects lighting up the lamp on a nightly basis. While few surprise names have introduced themselves to the NHL fans with their great results. So let's head to see who those guys are. So color candidates are up next and to surprise of totally no one, Seattle's Matthew Beniers has been the most productive rookie of the early season. 21 points in 26 games earns him also the third spot in their team scoring sheet and thus he still remains as the number one color option for the remainder of the year. His speed, stick skills, offensive IQ and two-way ability really strike you when watching him an almost point per game pace on the highest level tells you that he is a real deal and will be an invaluable asset for the newest NHL franchise for years to come. And because he plays for the Kraken, not that many people tend to notice him on a nightly basis, but if you belong to that category, I would certainly advise you to check out some of his highlights because the guy is extremely entertaining to watch and possesses very mature game, so it shouldn't be too hard to notice him on the ice with the Kraken. Behind him, we have Mike Calder Dark Horse, Winnipeg's Colt Perfetti, who thus far has recorded 18 points in 26 games with one of the more surprising teams of the young season. This natural puck distributor has gained momentum from the absence of Nikolai Ehlers, and the minutes under top six have churned him very nicely, and although he wasn't high up in many people's Calder rankings before the season, if he's able to keep this momentum going, he should be one of the top names challenging Beniers for that exact trophy. After those guys, we have two young bucks with same point total, which are Buffalo's JJ Paterka and Anaheim's Mason McTavish. And straight from the get-go, it has to be said that McTavish has really suffered from the horrific start the Ducks have had. Because although 14 points in 28 games is extremely decent for a first-year rookie, I imagine that he could have had more points already at this point of the season if they would have battled for wins out of the gates. But since that really hasn't been the case, he has fallen a few points behind the leading pack, but not too far away to not be able to challenge for the Calder. Peterka, on the other hand, has somewhat come out of the left field for many despite his extremely strong previous season in the A, but 14 points in his first NHL season is extremely respectable and what has even surprised me has been the fact how mature his game has been straight out of the gates. Like of course at times we see small lapses in between games and the consistency isn't necessarily on a level where you would need to be but the guy is just 20 years old and spending his first season in the bright light so we gotta give him some slack on that front. But he has brought some electricity to Buffalo's game and the trio of Paterka, Cousins and Quinn has started to find chemistry, which should create lots of promise amongst the Sabres fans. But overall, good starts for those guys as well, and I can only imagine that their scoring numbers will only increase once the season goes along. 
And as I throw in names, Kent Johnson, Jake Sanderson, Caden Gooley, and Owen Power. Can you tell me which is the attribute that has stood out to me the most in their game? If you guess defense, you are certainly right. Gooley, Sanderson, and Power have eaten a lot of minutes and have looked really poised for the NHL all throughout the early season. Gooley has imposed his physical playstyle. Sanderson's great two-way game has shined in a torpedo-like sense defense. Meanwhile, Power's defensive metrics have been off the charts and have made the Sabres fans cream when imagining the partnership of Power and Darlene in their prime. It's been quite remarkable how easily these guys have adapted to the next level and how physically ready they've been for the battle, so these guys should earn more recognition within the league, no doubt, especially since the point totals are not too shabby for D-man either. Sanderson, 12 in 27, Gooley, 11 in same amount of games, and Power with 10 assists in 28 games, so one could say more than anticipated. But as I said, as a former D-man, I've really enjoyed watching these guys, and although we lost Romanov from the Habs back end this summer, the partnership of Shekai and Gulli has taken me away with their physical styles, so I'm pretty much over that move already, especially given Doc's emergence offensively. And of course, I can praise enough Shekai's progress, since the guy has been an absolute revelation for the Habs and brings a totally new element to their backline with this mean physical playstyle, which is very close to my heart. He has seen some ice time on their power play as well, so he isn't just a one-trick pony, and 8 points in 25 games is very decent for a young defenseman on the NHL level. And when it comes to Johnson, I was kinda surprised by the fact how well he's completed his defensive duties in a team that has been really struggling out the gates, cause we all knew his offensive potential and skill set, but ever since Patrick Kleine mentioned his defensive game after the preseason, I've had to pay closer attention to that aspect, and I gotta say that scouts were not wrong about his real boom upside, cause if he gets his defensive game in order on the next level first, and then starts to really blossom offensively, the Jackets have nothing to worry, cause they will have their pieces in place for the foreseeable future. He has recorded 13 points in 23 games, which is quite impressive when you look at the scoring numbers for the Blue Jackets from the early season, but at the end of the day, I'm expecting him to have a close battle with the rest of the top names of this rookie class, so small increase in production is what I'm expecting from Johnson going forward. Dallas's Wyatt Johnston and Arizona's Dylan Genther have also flashed their offensive gifts and are slowly starting to make their way to each team's top six. Genther has racked up 11 points in 21 games and was loaned out to Junior World Championships earlier this week, so he will wreak some havoc in there certainly. Meanwhile, Johnston's 12-point total includes impressive 7 goals and 5 assists in 28 contests. So strong starts for those future offensive juggernauts as well. Brent Clark was also loaned out to Team Canada for the WJC and has surprised many fans with his presence on the Kings' back end. Cole Sillinger's point total has left many expecting more offensively and same goes with Blue's first round pick, Jake Neighbors, who has only been able to record one goal in 13 games, 
Meanwhile, Habs number one pick of this year's draft, Juraj Slavkovsky has had a rocky start to his NHL career, where he's been able to put up 8 points in 22 contests, which itself is quite decent, but he's been rocked in recent games quite badly. First by Chicago's Jason Dickinson and later by Vancouver's B-52 bomber Luke Shen, so if he doesn't get his head up, he could be looking at the ceiling much more often because he certainly has a small target on his back due to his status. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes for the Slovakian bulldozer. And lastly, I need to point out Detroit's Swedish winger Jonathan Berggren, who was just too good for the AHL and is finally earning his stripes on the top level with 9 points through 14 games. And alongside him, one of the more surprising names of the early season has been the Finn Juuso Pärsinen, who has broken into Preds top 6 with this responsible and mature two-way game. I expected Berggren to make his jump already last year, but it's good to see him finally making his impact on the Red Wings roster, and with the way he's been scoring, expect to see him in the Calder conversation at the end of the year. And when it comes to Pärsinen, I was quite surprised to see him making the jump to the NHL so quickly. Because even though I knew that the guy was extremely gifted and his two-way game could translate well to North American playstyle, his offense has still struck me and strangled me close to unconsciousness, so kudos for him for such a surge. I bet that not that many expected to see him with 5 points through the 11 games, but I guess the Preds front office won't complain about that one one bit. Then when it comes to the older age group, the standouts are Arizona's Matias Macelli, Buffalo's Jack Quinn, Miniscalen Addison, Ottawa's Shane Pinto, New Jersey's Fabian Sederland, and Dallas's Niels Lundqvist. Macelli has really become one of the top prospects of the Yacht system and has really developed to an offensive threat, whose skill set reminds me a lot of his teammate Clayton Keller, so if this is the path that is going to take on the next level, the Yotes could have their future top 6 figured out pretty soon due to a strong prospect pool. 19 points in 23 games is a lot more than I was expecting ahead of the season, and even though he showcased his skills already last year with the big team, I had my doubts about this NHL upside, but he has taken huge strides in his development and seems to be locked for a top 6 role on the next level. I know that the Yotes don't mind this either, so it's good to see some light at the end of the tunnel for their organization as well, so let's hope that the rest of the team gets things in order as well and gets to see the brightest days of their franchise history because they really do need it. Another name that has elevated this game to a new level is Buffalo's Jack Quinn, who has been one of the more entertaining prospects to watch in the early season, and slowly is starting to fill the boots that were designed for him when getting drafted in the first round. And if he keeps on improving, the Sabres could have extremely lethal first line in their hands featuring Thompson, Cousins and Quinn for years to come. It's good to see that he has started to silence some of the doubters that said that his scoring wouldn't translate to NHL level from the juniors and I've been pretty big fan of his so. Let's hope that things stay the same and even improve once the season progresses. Shane Pinto's and Kalen Addison's numbers have dialed down a bit from the start, but still both guys possess upsides that will benefit both franchises in the long run. Meanwhile, Swedes Lundqvist and Zetterland have surprised some fans with their early season play. 
Sederland especially has been outstanding for the Soaring Devils group with 13 points in 22 games. And although the numbers wouldn't amaze you, when you look at his analytics, you notice how valuable he has been for the Devils in the early season. His last year's totals pretty much predicted this outcome and it was only a matter of opportunity for him to make his breakthrough, but impressive start for the right-handed Bulldog nevertheless. Lundqvist has also benefited from the ice time given in Dallas and is finally starting to showcase his upside in Texas, which almost suffocated in the Big Apple before the trade. I've been a huge fan of his since his days in Luleå and was hoping for him to make his breakthrough in the Rangers uniform, but since that didn't become reality, I'm extremely happy that he's gotten his chance in Dallas, and 8 points in 25 games makes you believe that there's still lots in the storage for the future. Goalie-wise, like I said, Spencer Knight has found another gear to his game and is currently rocking with 0.919 save percentage and 2.64 goals against average, while behind him, Carolina's Russian netminder Pyotr Kochetkov follows him with 0.914 save percentage and 2.44 goals against average. And the last standouts are going to be New Jersey's Akira Smid, who debuted already last year in Jersey's goalie carousel. And from this season, he has 0.940 save percentage and 1.70 goals against average from six games. Meanwhile, Columbus's goalie prospect Daniel Tarasov has posted 0.912 save percentage and 3.17 goals against average in 7 games, which are pretty decent numbers when comparing those to their other two netminders. And finally, we have the name Logan Thompson that has taken the top spot next to Beniers in the Calder conversation with his early season play. The 25-year-old rookie has posted impressive 0.914 save percentage and 2.68 goals against average in 19 starts, and with those numbers, has eased the panic concerning their blue paint. But there's still over 50 games to be played, and the guy has never been a standalone starter in the NHL, so some fluctuation should be expected, but if he's able to battle through it and carry the Knights to the postseason, there is no doubt that he shouldn't belong to the caller conversation in the late spring. And when it comes to more seasoned youngsters, the highlighted players include Jack Hughes, who is currently becoming the face of the Devils franchise with over point per game pace. Rasmus Dallin's offense has slowed down a bit from the start, but still, he has 32 points from the first 27 games. Tim Stutzle is also rocking a point per game pace, so my prediction is currently still on the right tracks. Dylan Cousins is one of the more impressive names on the list with 27 dots from the 28 games and has been a part of Buffalo's rapid surge. Andrei Svechnikov has been as good as advertised with 26 points from 27 games. Gold Caulfield is closing down the 20-goal mark with 16 tucks and 9 assists in 27 games. Meanwhile, Trevor Zegers, Matt Boldy, and Kirby Doc belong to the second wave of the next NHL stars with over 0.7 point-per-game averages. Noah Dobson, Arthur Kaliev, Dawson Mercer... Joel Ferby, J.C. Moser, and Braden Schneider have also taken next steps in their development and have acquired stable spots in each team's top three lines. And quite frankly, the only major disappointments on this front have been Marco Rossi, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Kaapo Kakko, Alexis Lafreniere, and to a degree Moritz Seiderkes. Certain expectations were set for these guys and so far, 
they are not reaching those on a league-wide level. So we will wander back to these names on our next prospect coverage episode and we'll see if any progress has been made amongst this group of players. And of course, once again, there is a real chance that some guys slip between my fingers that should have earned more credit, but this will be the name list that I've gathered for this week and maybe next time we come across these young bucks, they will get their spotlight, so the hope is not completely lost on that front either. And certainly, if they make it to the score sheet each week, I have to bring them up in our weekly brief, so there is that as well. But in conclusion, big names are jogging along nicely and with a brand new season we've come to learn that some guys have taken bigger steps in their development than many, me included, expected and some young princes have still some work to do before the tough games start later in the spring. But as I said, it was great to see the overall progress of these guys because we are going to come back to this topic on a later date. And now that the preliminary U20 rosters are getting published, we get to see which familiar faces will participate in the tournament and showcase their skills amongst the best of the age class. So fun times are ahead on the prospect front as well. Leave your thoughts on my social media and shout out guys that should have earned more recognition because after all, there was a huge list of players that could have been included in the episodes. But so that these wouldn't last over 90 minutes, I need to make short lists and prioritize guys that have really stood out so that you at least get a sense of which have been the top names on each level. But I really hope you enjoyed these two prospect episodes. They take lots of time to produce, so hopefully you got your piece of the cake and got few new names to follow for the rest of the hockey season. Go support the show on social media. Handles are provided to you in the description, but pretty much you can find the podcast on IG and TikTok under the handle the drop underscore pass. Plus, the Twitter and alternative IG handles are down there as well. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the support you guys give me on a constant basis and I hope that you have an awesome week ahead of you, champ. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.